Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Updates. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast. No one is more on the ball when it comes to news <laughs> from the top flights. I'm Jim Salverson. Today on the podcast, we've got Noel McCorn over there. Hello, Jim. We've got Adam Brown over there. You all right, Jim? We're going to be talking about Virgil van Dijk, who could be the first ever defender to win UEFA's Player of the Year gong. We're going to talk about Alexi Sanchez, who's been edging out the door at United seemingly forever. It's like one of those relatives at Christmas who you say goodbye to, and an hour later, they're still there. But it seems like he is almost on a plane to Italy right now. And we're going to talk about last night's and tonight's EFL Cup games, where Premier League clubs were concerned anyway. I'm refusing to call it the Carabao Cup. I'm calling cool. it the EFL Cup. The EFL Cup doesn't exactly taste good in the mouth at this moment in time, <laughs> either, to be perfectly fair. But there we go. We'll keep with that for now, though. So, let's start off with the EFL Cup. It was the second round last night. A handful of Premier League clubs involved in the second round. Aston Villa put six past crew. West Ham overcame giant killers Newport by two goals, including Jack Walsh's first ever goal for the club. Watford beat Coventry 3-0, all proceeding to the next round. But... Defeats for Norwich, who were beaten by Crawley Town, and Crystal Palace, who lost to Colchester on penalties after a nil-nil draw. Let's look at the defeats here, because that's always the fun part, isn't it? (laughs) Crystal Palace. I mean, I'm starting to worry about Crystal Palace this season at the moment. Yeah, they got the win at Old Trafford this weekend, just gone. But they've had a terrible start to the season apart from that. And actually, a win in the EFL, a few goals in the EFL, and that's what they're struggling for. They're struggling to score goals. Could have been a bit of a confidence boost they needed ahead of the Premier League season going back. Yeah, I think that um, that win at United was a bit of a papering over the cracks. Actually, obviously, you know, it wasn't any, it wasn't like a, oh, they dominated the game or anything. They were, you know, they were pretty fortunate to win that game, weren't they? Uh, but like you said, Jim, I always think at this point when you have, have this um, this uh, you know this cup kind of match, it is an opportunity just to, if you are playing a lesser team as well, it's mm. an opportunity to just kick on, get a few goals, get your confidence up, especially if you've had a bit of a shaky start to the season. A uh, bit of a missed opportunity, really, I think, for Palace. I think Watford, um, I know probably move on to them in a second, that's what they did with you know, Coventry, getting three goals. I yeah. think Palace could have done with that. But for me, Palace, the issue is, and we said this weeks ago, 
where the goal's coming from. And there is a balance because the Premier League would always be the priority for any club and you have to make changes, you have to mitigate against injuries and Crystal Palace did make 10 changes going into that game but they still had 10 international players on the pitch. Andros Townsend, Connor Wickham, Benteke st- started, Cahill Zahar came on late on. That should have been enough to overcome a Colchester team now. Yeah, you'd think so. And, and with, with Crystal Palace... Like you say, Adam said it there. We've said it for weeks. It is about scoring goals. Um, it did go to penalties. I think the game ended nil-nil. But I've I've seen some sort of highlights of this game. And Crystal Palace played some good football. They did play, I know, albeit against a League Two side in yeah. Colchester. But they were knocking the ball around quite nicely. They were finding ways through uh, and making good passes. It was just that final killer touch. Sometimes you need to play these teams at their own game. So Colchester... Um, are probably going to be used to a more physical battle playing mm. down in League 2 than some of these Palace players. I am concerned about Crystal Palace, although Palace did play some good football, went to penalties. Andros Townsend missed his penalty, which ultimately was the, the nail in the coffin in terms of this cut I mean, run We shouldn't Palace. get to penalties, though. That's a complete lottery. Yeah. It's rolling yeah. a dice when no, it gets I disagree that stage, with that. I disagree with penalties being a lottery. I never understood that saying. How is it? How can penalties be a lottery? I think it's a great you have the ball on. You it's have a great the, leveler, it's isn't not. it? This is why the Germans have an elite mentality when it comes to penalties. It is not a lottery. It is an opportunity to win the game. That's what penalties are. An opportunity to win the football match for your team. But, be better yeah. than the other team. It's not a lottery. That's such a British mentality. It's, it's a oh, if we lose, it doesn't matter because it's a lottery no, on that's penalties. Not, that's Rubbish. Not, that's that's not what that phrase means. It's exactly it means. How can you recreate the pressure? That's the thing. Because you always should practice and practice them. I get that. Yeah, practice them. But how would you recreate it? Even in a, you know, I, whether or not it's a World Cup final or a Carabao Cup. That's fair you know. enough. That's a valid point. But what I, what I don't understand this whole penalties is a lottery thing. That's absolute garbage. If you, you know your job is to score from 12 yards. It's not a lottery. It is a chance to win the game for your team. Colchester took that chance. Andros Townsend missed his penalty. Should have done better. Should have scored. Obviously. When it refers it to being a lottery, it means it's a leveller. It's something that brings it down to the same thing. Like my chances of playing. No way. What's that? I'm sorry. What's that crazy two-touch football thing they play in a cage? You know the one I mean. Oh, where it's one-on-one. It's yeah. Like re- oh, um, I forget what it's called. Panna. Yeah. If I yeah. was going to play that against a Premier League footballer. I'd have absolutely You'd lose. no chance, You'd right? Lose, yeah. If I was taking 10 penalties against a Premier League footballer, You'd still lose. I'd still lose, but my chances <laughs> of winning would be ever so slightly increased. What I'm saying is, is the Premier League players, Crystal Palace fringe players or not, should be better at penalties than League Two Colchester no, you're penalties. Right, actually. It is true. Yeah. I'll tell you what about Palace as well is the one thing I do want to bring up. We keep saying about where they're getting goals from. Are we forgetting that Benteke cost quite a lot of money when they signed him? And I'm looking at his stats... And he's not done the business. Last two seasons. I don't know what's Four goals. goals. I don't know what's happened to him as a player. I remember seeing him playing at Aston Villa in the Premier League and he was scoring goals for fun just before we moved to Crystal Palace. Since then, he's completely off the ball and he's still a big and he look big unit and he looks yeah. fit. And he's still just, not that old. He scored 17 goals in his first season for Crystal Palace. It's just he just hasn't been able to replicate that. No. And why is that? Because if you look at some of the creators that Crystal Palace have had in their side, Wilfred Zaha, he'll create you a chance. Andros mm. Townsend's a creative player. Yeah. Why why isn't Christian Benteke getting these chances? But he has... Maybe he is and he's just not putting them away. Maybe it is a, a, similar to Sanchez at Manchester United. You know, he's he's there, but he's just not delivering. And the thing but is, it's not what... like he's got much competition either. Well, that's, that's, the the, thing. that's where is the goals have to come, come got from. None. Yeah. He's yeah. Got no Connor Wickham. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the alternative for Crystal <laughs> yeah. Palace. But like you said, Niall, sorry, sorry Jim, um, you know, 31 games in uh, 2017 to 18, three goals, 16 games uh, 2018 to 19, one goal. 
So four four goals in two se- in last two seasons. Not good enough. It's unacceptable, really. Not good enough. I think we can worry about Crystal Palace this season, particularly when you look at the goals that are being scored and Roy Hodgson made some comments after the game about they need to start converting their chances. And already you're making that kind of statement three, four games into the season. Against Colchester. Yeah. yeah, then there are alarm bells that are going to be ringing for some Crystal Palace fans. Less so for Norwich, who may have lost at the weekend. They had 21 shots on goal in the game in the EFL Cup. Uh, they had 70% possession, but it was no pookie, no party <laughs> for Norwich, essentially, because it was just a clear indication for them as to where their priorities are this season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Daniel Fark has made it quite clear this season for Norwich that in the Premier League, he is going to keep rotation to not a bare minimum, but very, very little. They've stuck with the squad that got them up into the Premier League. They've done extremely well so far. I know just one win from the three games, but certainly they've shown what they can do. Timu Puki obviously is a massive asset to them. Buendia looks like a really useful player as well, creating mm. chances in the middle of the park. But Daniel Fark did concede that although the EFL Cup and the FA Cup are priorities for Norwich this season, going deep into the cup competitions, people say it's not a benefit to your season. I'm not sure it's always the case. I think it differs club by club on a club by club basis. But he said that he he is giving his his fringe players a chance to impress. And against a Crawley Town side who were were resolute, their goal was a, a massive deflection. It was kind of like a drilled ball into the penalty area and the keeper didn't really have much of a chance. He also got booked as well, Daniel Fark which yeah. you don't see very often. The referee ran over to the dugout and gave him a yellow card. But yeah, Norwich, he doesn't want to be picking up injuries to his key players in a game against a, a League Two side, which they would have been expected to be even with a reserve side out. You've got to give credit to, to Crawley Town. I think they knew what they wanted to do and they got the job done, even though with minimal possession, like you say. And I think with Norwich as well, he's not. I don't think there's been alarm bells ringing in the Premier League because as you said, they've only won one, but they've done all right. Scored two past Chelsea, one past Liverpool. Yeah. I feel like they will pick up results and I feel like he's a good manager and I think, you know, keeping that sort of that core of that team together that it's got promoted has been a good move. Um, I don't think it's anything to worry about that. It's just because he rested players, I think. Yeah, there, and really. it's and it, and very sensibly, I mean, he needs to keep key players fit. He needs yeah. to keep Pookie on the pitch and Pookie scoring. That's yeah. the yeah. secret to Norwich City staying in this division this season. I'll tell you what, though, as a West Ham fan, I saw worrying signs last night in the victory over Newport. I spent eight ninety nine on it for Now TV which, <laughs> for a start, which was a worrying sign in itself. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was not a good game. And there were a few changes made by Manuel Pellegrini. But worryingly, it was the choice of centre-backs with Diop and Balboa both playing at the back. And still, West Ham looking very, very shaky. Newport could have had three goals easily before Wilshire scored the opener. And that's a worrying sign for West Ham because they've looked dodgy at the back in the Premier League so far this season. And it's something they need to sort out. Otherwise, they're going to get sucked into trouble because they're going to concede. I've I, I, West Ham had a bit of an issue with trying to find what is their best back line because who, the, who is the best centre-back pairing, would you say? If everyone's well, fit, it's a I difficult said, one. I said this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I just think that, you know, the players that Pellegrini have, has brought in over the last few seasons have been very much midfield and attack focused. He hasn't really brought in any defenders aside from mm. Diop, who does look a very good player on his day. But this season, he just looks slightly off the pace, I think, Jim, hasn't he, Diop? He's just looked a little bit clueless I mean, and a little bit yeah. panicky. And like you say, Winston Reid, as you're about to say, yeah. he's just coming back from injury, who is a solid centre-back. Babo, who had a great season last year and looked good, but we picked him up from, I think it was a Mexican team about three million quid so he's mm. kind of one of those under the radar players that you're never quite sure yep. what you're going to get and then you've got a bonger as well in there who's probably not the 
strongest and most reliable centre-back. But yeah, it, it's a concern. I'm a West Ham fan and it is a concern, particularly when you look at our full-back positions as well. Fredericks on the right looks decent, but Zabaleta, he isn't one for the future and he does tend to look leggy towards the end of the games. And on the left side, you've got Aaron Cresswell Present. and Masuaku, neither of which a brilliant defensive cover. They're great going forward, but... Cresswell, sound like he, he was creating a, a reasonable amount down that yeah. side, and albeit against the League Two side in Newport, who make it a difficult place to go. Rodney Parade is a sticky, horrible pitch. It's a rugby ground. I've been there before where, you know, it, they've had sort of steamrollers out yeah. flattening the pitch, and then within five minutes of kickoff, you've got lumps of turf. The pitch like, did look much like better a, last night than yeah, it has done previously. It looked like a driving range on a golf course in the winter. You know, it, it looked terrible. <laughs> um, but last season in the FA Cup, Newport, they beat Leicester at Rodney Parade 2-1. Then they took Middlesbrough to a replay after a 1-1 draw at the Riverside. They beat Middlesbrough 2-0. And then they ended up getting beaten at home by Manchester City 4-1 in the end. Mm. So in terms of their cup pedigree, Newport, it's a strange old little stadium down there in Newport. And it's an atmosphere which players can easily get caught up in. And these are the sort of games where I thought was interesting. Manuel Pellegrini th threw in some of the um, the overseas players in terms of like your four nows. I mean, that's a baptism to English football if there ever mm. was one. Going to Rodney Parade in a midweek cup game with uh, a, a sort of a raucous home crowd uh, strange, not the comforts of the London Stadium by any stretch. That's a real welcome to English football. By all accounts, it sounded like Jack Wilshire actually had a good game and he, he was pulling was a few superb. strings in the middle. So um, that could be promising for West Ham. But again, it's it's just about getting wins, building confidence. A win is a win. It doesn't matter who it's against. You can only beat who's in front of you and West Ham managed to do that. So that's, that's good news for them. And I think for West Ham and teams like West Ham in this competition as well, it's the one thing that fans want to see a team do well in. You know you're not going to be competing for any silverware in the Premier League. You're unlikely to do much in the FA Cup because the, the bigger teams take that a bit more seriously. I'd love a decent run mm. in the League Cup. I'd love for us to get to the semis or even the final would be absolutely incredible. So I find it really weird when managers do put out these weakened teams. You can excuse a team like Norwich who have an eye on Premier League survival, but a team like West Ham then... They should be going all out for this kind of competition. Yeah, if you've got the, you know, if you've got a decent, decent squad, which I think West Ham have got now. I think, you know, in terms yeah. of depth, I think they, you know they've got pretty much two decent players at least for every position across the pitch. There's no reason why if you can get through those first rounds and avoid the sort of the banana skin kind of teams like Newport. Where's like the cliche that? bell? <laughs> 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 oh, no, it's in the office. There we go. All right, okay. Um, all right, and well, you know, you know what I mean. Though, I, don't do, you, right? I do, I um, do. If you can avoid that and get to those later rounds, I think a lot of it then is dictated about how well you're doing in the league as well, I think. Mm -hmm. If you get to the later rounds, if you're, sure. if you're you know, if it's how much you prioritise the, the league. I think West Ham will be fine. They'll be in the mid-table pack the whole way throughout the season, I think. <laughs> Is that another cliche? Um, West Ham mid-table? I'll, I'll just shut up then. Um, I'm joking. No, no. I think I think it'll be all right. I think they'll, I think they'll be potentially eighth, ninth, maybe. You know, I think they'll be in the top ten yeah. at least this season. But I'm saying if they can sort of stick around there and not being dragged into that kind of the, you know, the, the lower sort of reach of the league. Yeah. No reason why they can't put together that cut run. And yeah. I, I agree. And I'll just may as well ask you this, Jim. What's your... Your favourite moment or memory as a West Ham fan? Oh, that's a difficult one. Do you know what? It's probably the FA Cup final against Liverpool. The 3-3 three, three 
right draw, which we didn't lose on penalties. So, <laughs> so, so finishing top ten under. Um, well, the highest finish would have been. Was it fourth? We finished with Redknapp. Oh, I don't think it's not. It's insignificant finishing in the top three, uh, top four. Uh, this of the isn't. This is what I'm, the point. Isn't it? This it is, is the, the cup final. That's what you live for. This is the point I was just about to make. Yeah. Yeah. What do football clubs and football fans live for? Not okay. N- maybe a bit of a. Uh, inappropriate sort of time to say this comment with everything that's going on with Barry and Bolton and, and all the rest of it. Sometimes just watching your team is the biggest blessing of all because some mm. people just, that's all they want to do is watch their team. But let's just take West Ham as an example. The best moments for football fans are moments of glory. Yeah. That's why you go, you make those 300 mile round trips to wherever you're going and watch your team lose, conceding three goals and get a red card in the first half an hour because it's those moments even though you lost to, to to Liverpool in the end, it's those moments that that make you love football. Yeah. And for me, as a Portsmouth fan, winning the FA Cup in two thousand and eight, and everything that followed that with financial meltdown and cascading down the leagues at a rate of knots, I wouldn't swap that day for the world. That day means everything mm. to me, winning the FA Cup. And this is what clubs I don't understand in the middle reaches of the league, as Adam says, why they don't go for trophies. I know they're going to come up against a Manchester City probably or a Chelsea or an Arsenal or a Liverpool or whoever these big clubs but there's always a chance in a cup game it's one game mm. you've always got a chance to win we played Manchester United in the quarter final when we won in 2008 we had two goalkeepers went off one got sent off one went off injured Rio Ferdinand went in goal how Manchester United didn't score that day you could watch that game over a hundred times and you'd never figure out how they didn't put the ball in the net but they didn't and Portsmouth won the game 1-0 and we went on to win the cup now West Ham Leicester these are clubs that need that boost yeah you know they need that boost they need the fans to be up for something excited for something it it can it can mean everything to football supporters and I think it is frustrating when you see managers fielding weakened teams in the cups when really the the supporters could get a special day out of Mm. it it's what we would say if the cliche bill was here the magic of the cup (laughs) (laughs) Uh, right before we move on let's have a quick look at the three games tonight involving Premier League teams in the EFL Cup you've got Burnley versus Sunderland Lincoln City versus Everton Bournemouth versus Forest Green if you're going to pick one of those ties for a potential upset very quickly who would it be I quite like the sound of Forest Green, I was going to say, just because they play a decent style of football. They were in the playoffs in League Two last season. They do like to knock the ball around. So will Bournemouth. Eddie Howe gets them playing the game the, the proper way, in inverted commas, is what everyone likes to say. So I think Mark Cooper, the gaffer at Forest Green, has, has done a really good job over the last few seasons, got them into the Football League. I think they're in the playoffs in the conference four or five times in a row or something ridiculous. Eventually, they managed to get up into the into the League Two. Um, but I think that would be an exciting game of football, and it mm. could be quite open. Two teams knocking the ball around on the floor could be a good one to watch. So if I was to pick an upset, I'd go with the Forest Green, but I think... You know, you'd say from this point that Bournemouth would be too strong for them. But, I mean, it would be nice to see them sort of get through to the next round. I'm going to say Everton. Um, I'm I think, with you on this Yeah, one. I just think, um, like, you know, like with the Newport, I think going to an away ground of a, a, a lesser, you know, team that are uh, in a lower division is always tough. And I also think Everton are going to do the thing where, like Crystal Palace have done, uh, like West Ham, they're going to play some of the fringe players, some of the players that haven't started in the Premier League they're so far. They're struggling for goals anyway. They are. And also, I think they've got... That Everton squad, um, there's quite a lot of players there who I don't know. I feel like they're not going to get in that starting eleven. They might be slightly disillusioned already. Mm. Feeling like oh, they pushed out the first team. Uh, I don't think they'll be up for it. I don't think a Wednesday night at, um, at Lincoln is going to be. Uh... Well, Lincoln, they like to play Route One. They they will bully you. So that will be fun to watch. Yeah. So I, I think it could be a potential upset there. There you go. Our 
tip for pressure rising on Marco Silva at Everton. Right, we're going to come back in a minute on the Football Social Daily, talk about the UEFA Player of the Year, the Men's Player of the Year. Could be Virgil van Dijk scooping that award. We're also going to talk about Alexi Sanchez's Manchester United exit, and we'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. Football Social Daily, Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Don't forget you can get our Sports Social Alexa skill, which gives you daily updates on your team and match reports for every single Premier League club. All you need to do is say Open Sports Social to your Alexa device and that will give you access to that. But let's talk about Virgil van Dijk and his nomination for the UEFA Player of the Year Award up against the permanent nominees of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, both in the running. Is Van Dijk, for his performances over the last season, worthy of inclusion in that list? Yes. But will he win it? No. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because... Because Messi or Ronaldo will win it. Because Messi or Ronaldo will win it. Because football is, again, I'm on a philosophical bike today. <laughs> um, football's about scoring goals. Attacking players always win. The a defender the has never won this. Well, I, I'd say Fabio Cannavaro did win it in 2006, um, which is when he guided Italy. He was captain okay. of Italy oh, to the yeah. World Cup in 2006. Um, he was playing for, I think, Real Madrid at the time or, or Juventus. Anyway, he had a good season. I think he, he won the domestic league and he won the World Cup with Italy. Although Van Dijk has won the Champions League and came runner-up very close to Manchester City in the Premier League, he, he, as good as he's been, he's not revolutionised defending. He's just a very, very, very good Although defender. Although I did hear a stat. In Liverpool versus Arsenal at the weekend, Nicolas Pepe was the first person to dribble past him in 50 games. Yeah, but he didn't even really dribble past him. He kind of like took, <laughs> well, the, ball, took the ball to the side a little bit <laughs> and that counted as a dribble, apparently. It's an incredible um, stat, though. It is an amazing stat and you have to give him credit. And he is 100% worthy of a nomination. So before I get absolute pelters from Liverpool fans on Twitter, he is 100% worthy of inclusion. I don't think he will win. Um, if he does win, then that's obviously because he's been voted for by fellow peers. And I think mm. that's how these things mm. work, isn't it? But if you look back, you go all the way back to 1991, which was when FIFA World Player of the Year, I think, was first awarded. The first ever uh, World Player of the Year uh, in 91 was Lothar Matthäus, who the German um, central midfield player who also used to play as a sweeper. And what a brilliant player he was. But if you look down over the years, you're looking at Van Basten, Baggio, Romario, Wea, Ronaldo, the original Brazilian one, uh, Zidane, Rivaldo. Figo, Ronaldinho, again, Kaká, Ronaldo and Messi, of course, last few years have swept it up. The only anomaly there is Fabio Cannavaro. Sadly, that's just the way football is. Well, this is UEFA's Player of the Year award, so it's slightly different to the Ballon d'Or and slightly different to FIFA. It's just another award. But the point still stands in that the glory goes to the strikers. And you've got two incredible players who have dominated football in Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo for the last decade or so. But that can't go on forever. At some point, that tyranny has to be yeah. broken. Luka Modric picked up the award last year. So who's next? When Messi and Ronaldo fade into the background, who from the current crop, let's keep it in the Premier League, looking at the Premier League, who from that current crop could potentially rise up and be the world's greatest player? From the Premier League? <laughs> I, oh, I, mean, I, is Ra- I mean, you're a City fan. Has Raheem yeah. Sterling got that potential? Yeah. I still think there's parts of his game that he'd improve in, believe it or not. Scarily, but I think he could actually get better. You know, as scary, well. His finishing could improve. Yeah, and I he's, so. he's on yeah. absolute fire, yeah. which is crazy, really. Adam's right there. I think Sterling 
can improve, which is frightening because he's excellent. He's probably um, the only one that I can that I, I could see getting better than yeah. he is. I mean, obviously. And you know, no. the, the great thing about the Premier League is there are so many very, very good players. Mm. Um, it's not like you see, you do see great players in, in La Liga and in the German League, but often you get the one or two stars um, or you get two, two or three clubs who have got absolute sort of world beaters in their team. With the Premier League, there's four or five different clubs with really talented players. Yeah. But I, I do cl- think we're at a stage now where they'll probably will get picked off by Barcelona and Madrid eventually. And then they could probably reach them, the upper echelons of the Ronaldo and Messi kind of, you know, got a Hazard obviously going to Madrid and probably not going to be too long before some of the players that, you know, that we consider to be the best players in the Premier League will get snatched up. Maybe Ericsson will probably go and... Not saying he's good enough to reach that level, but yeah. you know what I mean. Before it seems to be that the as soon as they go there, like even like you know, look at Modric. He was he was good at Tottenham, very good. He goes to Madrid and he's winning the winning the, winning the awards. Is that because he's in, just in a better team? Yeah. Or? How long Maybe. until Man City are in that kind of category then? That they are they are the club where players can reach their full potential. Can that happen in the Premier League? Champions League wins, yeah. maybe. That's probably it's going to have to take winning the European Cup before they can. It pains me to say it as a City fan. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to have to win the European Cup, aren't we? Yeah, mm. I mean, I think you're right. And I, actually, I watched an interview with Henrik Larsson earlier today, you know, the old uh, Manchester United Celtic Barcelona striker. And he said of all the however many hundreds of goals he scored in his career, his favourite moment was winning the Champions League with Barcelona. Mm. This mm. is a man who they used to call him the goal machine, you know, and he scored goals everywhere he's been. But his favourite moment was winning the Champions League. I mean... That is the pinnacle, isn't it, for club football in Europe? It is the Champions League. You have to win that competition to be almost considered a true great nowadays. Interesting as well, just moving back to talk about Van Dijk. Um, you're saying that he won't win it. Do you think he should win it? Well, now I know it's UEFA and I've made a cock up and it's not FIFA, <laughs> then uh, there is much. But he finished second last year in the UEFA um, Player of the Year award behind Messi, a few points behind Messi. And I think uh, Neuer is also the uh, finished second once. Um, as well so I'm just thinking maybe he will win it uh, world player of the year FIFA no chance for me UEFA possibly um, I'm not sure I'm not sure though I mean you just you, how can you tell how can you tell who's yeah. voting for who Messi's had a torrid time internationally which I think might go against him but Messi's in Argentine um, Van Dijk plays for a, a UEFA nation in the this Netherlands also true. so you know that there's obviously a, maybe a slight sway there in terms of Voting for UEFA Player of the Year. Messi's international exploits don't really mean anything to me if you're talking about UEFA Player of the Year. Mm. FIFA, absolutely include it, but he's an Argentine. It doesn't really matter. A quick mention of Lucy Bronze as well, who could become the first ever English player, either male or female, to win this award. The England right-back is up for for the Female Player of the Year there, which is an amazing, amazing accomplishment. Uh, Right, let's move on to Alexis Sanchez, who supposedly has agreed a loan deal with Inter Milan to leave Manchester United. We're not going to talk about his gigantic wages. We're not (laughs) going to talk about the amount that Manchester United are supposedly contributing towards those gigantic wages, £120,000 a week, supposedly. But we are going to talk about the clear out at Manchester United because the departure of Sanchez does leave Uh, Manchester United short. United fans have all agreed that it leaves them with Mason Greenwood, Rashford and Martial as their three striking options, essentially. Maybe Lingard, if you count Lingard. Maybe Daniel James, if you count Daniel James as well. But it does leave him sure. Is there a bigger thing at play <laughs> here with United? The fact they need to clear out this deadwood. They need to get rid of 
the players like Herrera, Lukaku, Valencia, Fellaini have all gone now. Young and Matic aren't getting in the team. You've got Rojo, Damian, Smalling, Jones all still at the club, but seemingly exiled. So is this an important step for them to get rid of Sanchez? Yeah, I think it is. But clear out the dead wood, yeah, but only if you've got stuff in reserve. Do you know what I mean? Don't yeah. start, you know, don't yeah. start chucking away. You, you can still... You, I just think Sanchez might have been a worth another roll of the dice. I don't know. But I, I've got United fa- mates or United fans who have said, no, that's it. He's never going to get the confidence back. He's a spent force. I just don't think you become a bad player overnight. And how annoying will it be for United fans if they see <laughs> Lukaku and Sanchez bagging goals? Lukaku's already scored one goal for Inter Milan in his, on his debut in the league. I think he'll score 30 goals, Lukaku. Yeah. I don't mm. know about Sanchez. Manchester United are very backward, in my opinion, in this. How can you get rid of Lukaku and not replace, Sanchez and not replace, but yet you have seven centre-backs on your mm. books? Seven. I don't get the logic of seven defenders. Can you believe it? Seven defenders. So Maguire's come in. Lindelof alongside him. Marcus Rocco, not going to play. Phil Jones is four. Chris Smalling is five. Eric Eric Bailly as well. Eric Bailly, Axel Twanzebe. That is seven centre-backs. You only ever play two at once. Why the f*** have you got five extra centre-backs you don't need? Ridiculous management from Manchester United, and they're senior centre backs, senior, senior players, senior centre backs, they? and yeah. then it's not like they're. I mean, Ashley Young is adaptable; can play at fullback, play him right wing if you need to. They're not exactly versatile players. Mm. You're not going to stick Phil Jones in the middle of the park. They've done it before, and that didn't work out very well. Chris Smalling isn't a versatile player. He's not. You know, you're not going to lump Phil him Jones up front. play up front for England once. Maybe I'm pretty me. sure I remember but, that happening. Well, that was the day when I thought anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I can do anything. Uh, but, the thing is, though, right? But do you know what I mean? The seven centre backs. Why? And then you sell in Lukaku. You're getting rid of Sanchez. That's 11 million pounds loan. So they're not getting rid of him permanently. No. There's no option to buy yeah. there at all. No. So he will be coming back. But he will, he's done it, United. Though I think. he's done it. Of course yeah. he is. They need to get rid. Like, of it's him. very telling that Mason Greenwood has been given more opportunities than Sanchez already this season by Solskjaer. Probably that shows he, that Solskjaer has no faith in Sanchez. Isn't that because he beat him up on the training ground? <laughs> like, <laughs> 17-year-old kid lumped uh, Alexis Sanchez but the seven thing, bells. The thing about it is is that this is this is another interesting one, especially, I mean, all clubs in the Premier League, and I'm, I'm bad for it as well, even as a City fan. I'm like, we want to we want, we want champion youth and we want to bring our, you know, the, you've got the great academies at all the Premier League mm. teams now and you want to bring youth, like, you don't get any chances anymore. You've got to be willing to let them make mistakes though, that's yeah, the thing. Yeah, and it's like, no, well, we don't play it and suddenly United now are in a position where they're going to have to play youth up yeah. front and oh they've let Lukaku and Sanchez go it's ridiculous I personally think it, they've left themselves a little bit short yeah. but surely it's a good thing if we want to see more young players English players as well coming through potentially you know later down the line could someone like Mason Green would be an asset for, for England look at how Rashford got in you it's, know what I mean does, and he took his chance it says to me and I think you're spot on with this now with the fact that you have this imbalance in this squad that the rebuilding at Manchester United is miles away from being completed. This isn't a this isn't a, a new dawn for Manchester United. It's a false dawn, yes, yeah, so and it's going to take a long time for them to get to back to where they were five mm. years ago. The fans were complaining, weren't they? That defence was shocking. Mm. I mean, uh, look at the amount of scapegoating that happened on Phil Jones, Ashley Young, Chris Smalling, and probably rightly so in some cases because they were poor and they've not been good enough for the last few seasons. And I think that's a fair comment, right? But. In terms of up front, Lukaku wasn't delivering the old trampoline foot first touch, you know, the, the shocking first touch. And Roberto Martinez telling him to put on weight and he was, what you know, meant to be the heaviest player in the Premier League and all the rest of it. Yes, OK, 
fine. But defence was the issue. Manchester United seemed to have solved that issue, at least to a, deg at least to a degree, for bringing in Harry Maguire for £80 million and Wan-Bissaka for £50 million. And they've got Lindelof, who looked to improve over the last few seasons alongside Maguire. OK, decent. Left-back, obviously a question mark with Shaw. I don't think anyone knows what's happened to Darmian. I don't know if he still exists. He's <laughs> no one seems to have seen him for years. Um, but, you know, their defensive issues were certainly on the up by the looks of things in terms of the signings they made. So why then would you uproot the front of your team? You've got rid of Lukaku. I know Sanchez has been rubbish, so that's fair enough. Lukaku hasn't been great. You've got rid of them, but you do need squad number you need numbers in your squad mm. it's easy manchester, this game isn't it no. manchester united just have, as easy as manchester taking penalties. United have replaced <laughs> have not replaced anyone with harry maguire they've brought harry maguire in and mm. kept the shite yeah. so they need to get rid of the rubbish with, with the striking situation though so if you get rid of lukaku and sanchez how much would it cost to replace them with better players or you could argue that actually sanchez has been absolutely shocking for united lukaku has really split opinion with fans and also obviously when you play lukaku it's going to Kind of make you play a certain way in in, in, in certain. They got time. seventy-five million quid for Lukaku, yeah, as well. So they have money. I mean, I know that kind of went out the other way when Maguire. Maguire came in, but there is money to be spent potentially. And that's it. And the th but the thing is, what would, and also, what would you rather have? Would you rather have um, Sanchez, who is clearly somewhere inside, he's a good player still because you don't, as I say, you don't become rubbish overnight. Who doesn't want to be there, has got low confidence, isn't firing, or someone like Mason Greenwood who's hungry mm. and he wants to play. What would you rather have, Sanchez, who you know can do it? Actually, let's give him 20 more games and he'll come out of his shell and play. You're paying the guy 300 grand a week. Would yeah. you rather have someone who's paying that and not delivering or someone who's coming to come on and run his socks off for the club and want to play and want to be there and, you know, develop as a player? I th I'd prefer... I mean, it's easy for me saying as a City fan because we've got Aguero, but I'd prefer to have Greenwood. I really, I genuinely would. He wants to play for him. I just think it's a, it's an interesting concept because you even you go back to the summer transfer window when David Luiz was sold to Arsenal for eight million, and everyone's going, "Quite that's bloody cheap, isn't it? Eight million, yeah. as as unreliable as David Luiz can be, eight million is cheap." And has proved to be already uh, at Arsenal. It, it, well, exactly. <laughs> but I mean, he signed a new two-year contract extension with Chelsea in May, taking him to 2021, with his wages must have been an extra fifty grand a week. So it's either Chelsea sell him for eight million and Arsenal take on the brunt of the wages and they make money for David Luiz, mm. or they keep him for two seasons on extra money and it's probably going to cost them about twelve million. Yeah. So actually, Chelsea have made a profit on David Luiz. They've cut their losses. It's a business decision. Yeah. I think eight million's really cheap, but it would have cost Chelsea more to keep him yeah. in wages. And even with Sanchez, even with Manchester United's one hundred twenty thousand pound contribution a week, that's still what two hundred and sixty thousand pound a week one million pound a month off the wage Crazy. bill so from a business point of view maybe it does make sense boys we've got to leave it there that is it for football social daily we'll be back again tomorrow wrapping up the latest premier league news see you then football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.